You're now tuned into the Morning Star Show with Super Size 75. Hey, don't shoot the messenger. Get into some nigga shit. <laughs> You're now tuned into the Morning Star Show with Super Size 75. All right. I just want to say, first and foremost, somebody owes me. For the emotional, spiritual, mental drama of watching this racially charged horror Negro torture porn. Somebody owes me. Somebody, oh, wait. Edmund, thank you for the Cash App. That will help partially with my. As I spiritually detox from this Negro racially charged torture porn. I need more um, spiritual detoxing. Some of y'all still owe me for this. I cannot get back. How many? How how many days? I cannot get back my two days of my life. My time and my energy. I can't get that back. Somebody owes me. Okay. Okay. I suffer so y'all don't have to. I know, I know, but still. I suffer so you don't have to. All right, first let me let me say what's up to everybody that's uh in in the chat. Lord Vale Young Peasy Jim twenty one Black Breeze Uh Leah, hey Kidra, the show this show is making me dislike white people. Oh no 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 no. No, my dear, we're wrong at the mad, wrong at the mad person. Thank you. Did you make this with love, or you just made it? Mm-hmm. This is not. This is not white people's fault. No, 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 no. Once again, yes, um, I will take my time and break down as much as I caught uh, in this. I'm sure you guys will catch. Huh? About him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna kind of pace myself with this. Um, Depressing is doesn't even do it enough. This was a spiritually aggravating, uh, racially debasing, demoralizing film, series. And this is a series. This is season one. So God forbid if they get decent numbers they're going to green light this thing for season two. So I can't place the blame squarely at Lena Waithe's feet. She is attached to this project. She thinks she's the female Jordan Peele. Um, No. Now I can blame a lot of y'all that support Lena Waithe because you motherfuckers watch the shy when you they clearly got grown ass men 
having scenes with cyber citizens of Cybertrons, and y'all still tuning into that dumbass shit. Uh, what, what else? What else did, did, did she attach to? Um, you know what I'm saying? So, if you watch the shy, you are partially to blame for this Amazon series. Like I said, she's not the sole creator, but her name is attached to this shit. Shout out to everybody that was dragging her ass on Twitter for this Negro torture porn film. Shout out to black folk that was dragging her ass on Twitter, but it's too late because you motherfuckers gave her a foot in Hollywood. Now she's part of the lesbian coven. Okay. Now she's part of the lesbian coven. All right. And, and it's too late to, to cancel her. It's too, she's too, she's too up the ranks now to cancel her. All right. Her and Janelle Monet and, 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 and who else? Who else? Jada Pinkett and Latifa and uh, Regina King, Re- Regina Hall and Regina King. Throw her ass in the mix too. Y'all act like Re- Regina King don't do nothing. I, I, okay. Uh, Topaz. Hey, uh, next li- li- library. Hey, what's happening? What's happening? What platform is this movie being shown? Amazon Prime. Conspiracy. Who are, bruh? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? All right, all right. Natia, hey. Cupcakes. Lorenzo. Signy, hey. Uh, Isaiah, what's happening? Coach DC, what's happening? Angela, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Boonab, hey. Kidra, I stopped watching The Shy when Tiffany Boone and Jason. Hell. When... And, and then they brought the this this the, the, the Cybertronians in. It's like, oh man, come on, man. Ray, Sly Man, get to it. I only got fifteen minutes. Oh, uh, uh, what, what, sir or ma'am? Do, do you forget I'm a cancer? Um, and we're stubborn, and we don't like to do as we're told. This is why we would make horrible slaves. Okay. This is why we would make horrible slaves because we don't like being told what to do. So the longer you more you tell me to do something, guess what's not going to happen. And unless you paying me to speed this up, you can kindly get the fuck. I tell you what, let me get your ass up out of here. Let me help you to fuck out on your way. Fuck out of here telling me to. I get to. I only got 15 minutes. Maybe you'll get your goofy ass to fuck off my shit. Matter of fact, let me go ahead and block you. Fuck a timeout. Shit. I had to sit here and spend two days watching this shit. I'm, you gonna let me cook? All right, Kelly. Hey, uh, da, 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 da. Sir Anthony. Hey, Mr. K two B two. Yeah, Illuminati. Yeah, Alexis. Yeah, I say yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just going through the comments. Y'all forgive me. All right, all right. We're good. Taniki. Taniki. Okay, okay. Calm down. I'm at work. You must be black. Because I only catch that uh, only black people would talk to me in in, in such a way. Because white folk got most sense. No? They don't? Uh, Well, shit. Tonight, this motherfucker got to be black. Because, yeah, you you telling me to do something. And then you're going to tell me to calm down. You at work. Don't watch me then. Go watch them all, the mother goofballs. They want to watch. Nah, don't fucking watch me. Matter of fact, don't watch me. Shit. Matter of fact, don't even donate to me. Wait, I take that back. Wait a minute. No, give me your money. Give me your money so I can block you, so you can watch me from the fucking clouds. Shit. Nigga, tell me to, tell me to calm down. The fuck? 
Anywho, let me read the spiel before I get into this goddamn miserable breakdown. Wait, I blocked the wrong person. I blocked the wrong person. Wait, well, let me let me, let me circle back like a gang, like gangs do, and come back to hit the block up again. Blah, da, 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 da. Blah, blah. Okay then, I got the right nigga now. Okay, shit, play with me. All right, all right. Uh, let me get the spiel over. Let me get the spiel over. All right, uh, Morning Star Show. You know who I am. I need no introduction. Um, you're here because you're here because the, the universe told you to be here. Um, uh, find us on www.ondawakeradio.com, 24-7-365. Also find us on otwtube.com. Uh, shout out to Cindy Ashby. Uh, replays. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play for the replays. All right, all right, let's get into this, this, this shit show. Sound like Umar? Donations, donations. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you gotta spin the block. I, 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 wait, wait. Not that he blocked her. Hey, if I accident, if you're the, if you caught the. The, the gunfire and I accidentally blocked you the first time I'm sorry email me I'll unblock you okay my bad alright here we go y'all ready for this this fuck shit okay episode one welcome to Compton um <laughs> alright so it gives uh, uh, they keep doing these flashbacks of to when Lucky uh, lost Chester Okay, they always do these gradual flashbacks through through every few episodes. It gets it gives you more and more context of what happened between Lucky and Chester. Okay, uh, so now they're moving to Compton. Uh, you don't see Chester; you just see the two girls. Uh, of course, the white neighbors are upset. Uh, Chrissy Jean discovers a basement. The original contract said no persons of Negro blood can buy the house. And we'll get more into the contract and the redlining uh, in further episodes down the road. Uh, the Covenant's Law, the realtor says the covenant, Covenant's Law says redlining is now illegal. The wife is upset about living in an all-white neighborhood while loading a 45. So throughout this series, you have this back and forth between um, Lucky being the, the in charge, she being in charge, versus Henry being in charge. And it seems throughout this entire series that Henry could not just get it fucking together. The Sambo character, merciless, mercilessly, merciless, merciless, what? Merciless, merciless, tortures and taunts Henry as an incapable uh, protector of his family throughout this entire series. Everybody has a demon to fight in this series. Henry's demon is the Sambo, okay? And like I said, the Sambo keeps taunting Henry at how incapable of protecting his family he has been throughout this fucking series, all right? Yes, cat in the bag, cat in the bag. And we'll get into the infanticide in a minute. Um, day two, the neighbors sit in front of the house and the wives playing Congo music. The mom walks the girls to school through the back door to the bus stop, right? Chrissy Jean, the little baby girl, sings the same song the old white woman was singing from, from the beginning of the, uh, uh, day one, first episode, okay? So that is Lucky's, one of Lucky's many, 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 many triggers, okay? So now the black woman, 
we we know there's a lot of emotional instability with black women. I'm just saying it, and this is obviously they're just showing it in this series. Okay, uh, let's continue. Lucky then spazzes out and slaps Chrissy Jean. The color palette when there's anger, aggression, death, or pending murder or death, the color palette changes red. Did y'all catch that? Okay. Uh, when there's fear or trepidation or worry, it color palette will flash yellow. These are, this is color magic. 101. Color magic at its base level. If what I'm saying to you is new to you or foreign to you, this is not the channel for you. Get the fuck out the chat because I'm not going to explain shit to you. I, I, I don't have no time to catch you up to speed. This is where we at with this shit. Okay? Respectfully. Let's continue. Um... <laughs> The neighbors plan, uh, to, okay, they want to, okay, so the neighbors find out their home cost $11,000. So everybody's up in arms, like, how could you afford a house? It's $11,000, okay? Uh, Henry is an engineer, so they can afford the house. Uh, that night, uh, Chrissy Jean wakes up to see a, a fee, what? Gracie, you know what the fuck I mean. All right, so yeah, Gracie Jean wakes up, sees the, the black figure female sitting at the at the edge of the bed or in the kitchen, and then it strangles uh, Gracie Jean. Did I say it right, boss? Okay, so then the next day, Lucky discovers Gracie's neck has a burn mark. Gracie says Miss Vera uh, took Sarge the dog. Miss Vera is is Gracie Jean's demon. There's this Miss Vera book she's reading uh, on the way from Chatham, North Carolina to Compton. Okay, so Miss Vera, like the nurse or the nun in the Conjuring series, okay, bar for bar. All right, so this is Gracie Jean's going to be her Gracie Jean's little little demon to fight. All right, Sarge the dog is, is, is he dead at this point? Sarge is dead. The little Jack Russell Terrier dog is dead. Okay. Henry discovers Sarge's collar on the basement door. Sarge is at the bottom of the stairs with a broken neck. Lucky spazzes and waves the guns at neighbors. So she comes out the house with the 45 talking about y'all stay away from my family. Stay away from my family. Now the realtor, the realtor said, oh, you guys lucked out. You got a basement. Now normally, and the wife caught it, you normally say you luck, you luck up. She said you guys lucked out. Okay. Anybody catch that? All right, let's continue. Episode two, it goes back to 1946. Uh, Henry is a World War II veteran. All right, I believe World War II ended in 1945. Uh, he returns from WW2. He has PTSD. He struggles to reacclimate himself to civilian life. And then we get to uh, day three. Day three, present, time, uh, present, present day, the cops are banging on the door. There's a picture of Chester, the dead son, on the mantle. Uh, Gracie Jean gets upset when the cop grabs the picture off the mantle. So the cop's pretty much kicking the door after Henry lets him in after like 10 minutes, right? Uh, the captain, oh no, Sergeant, Sergeant Bull. Sergeant Bull is key. He's an important white figure. But of course, in movies like this, the majority of, of white men in these positions are important. He's like the savior figure because he, keep he keeps the white folks off these niggas' asses. I can't make it any plainer. Sergeant Bull keeps the white folk off the Negroes' asses. That's it. That's what he gets paid off to do. Let's continue. 
Uh, Sergeant Bull shows up. He squashes the situation. Gracie Jean then tells the cops, Miss Vera killed the dog. Okay, and then the burns on her neck are, had disappeared. So now, Lucky looking crazy as shit. And we're gonna see, and we're gonna, and it's gonna go down this emotional in, instability path for Lucky. Okay. The cops leave, and then Lucky gets upset with Henry because Henry had to play off like she was crazy for them to pretty much buy the story and for them to leave. Okay. This is 1946, Compton. Okay. If it takes for you to say your wife is batshit crazy for the cops to leave and leave your family alone, guess what? You batshit crazy. Was it 53? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. 1953. You're right. Still, same, same, same mindset, you know? All right. Let's continue. Uh, Gracie Jean and Lucky go to the bathroom to fix, a, uh, go to the basement to fix a broken window. Gracie can see spirits. Children see spirits. All their imaginary play friends, they're not imaginary. That's a goddamn spirit. I don't know how many times you, you, you don't yell at your kids. Hey, there's no fucking nobody there. No, they're talking to somebody. Kids can see spirits. They are pure and innocent. All right. Their vision is not blurred or clouded by uh, society and life. They are at its purest form in the Bible. You know, a child's innocence is, is beyond measure. This is why them people upstairs like little kids so much. Let's continue. So then as Gracie tries to explain to, to, to Lucky, hey, don't you see Miss Vera? She's right behind you. You didn't see. B, turn. I'm not playing. No, we're going to have this conversation. Take this shit off my fucking phone. All right. So then Gracie Jean says, you didn't see her, but you could feel her. And she said, yeah, I felt I felt something. I felt Miss Vera. All right. Let me mark these notes off. I didn't show up till they moved in. Miss Vera didn't show up until they moved into the house. Okay. Beth, the neighbor, Beth Wendell, is trying to convince the neighbors that the Emery's are the problem. This is white flight. She's worried about white flight. And then there's a shot of, of Betty with two dragons. So when she's talking to her friend, Mitch, right? The pregnant woman, Mitch, there's a shot of Becky. It's a still shot of two dragons on the opposite sides of her. Did anybody catch that? Probably not, but okay, let's continue. Henry has issues with his boss, Stu, at the job. Ruby, then this is the worst, I think this is probably the worst character arc in this series. When this, the girl that plays Ruby, she played the daughter from us. This is probably the most disturbing, damaging character arc in this series, especially for young black women. This is dis disturbing, disgusting, sad, sad. Okay. Henry has issues with his boss at the job. Ruby's is writ uh, Ruby's written up for distracting the class because the teacher wrote, wrote, read a poem and she said, she asked, well, who can, does, does anyone know who read this poem? Of course, Ruby aunt raises her hand and she says, Emily Dickerson. And then the two white boys, three white boys all start shouting monkey sounds and ooh, ooh, and ah, ah, and at her. So then the whole class erupts into making monkey and ape sounds. So then Ruby's written up 
by the teacher to go to the principal's office for distracting the class. These are black people that wrote this. Do you understand? I want you to understand. This was written by black people. Of course, green light, green lit by white folk, but this was written by black people. Okay? I just want to keep reiterating that. Gracie and Lucky go to the hardware store and Lucky starts looking at axes. Back at work, Henry has flashbacks of a person being burned by nerve and mustard gas. Betty, the white neighbor, convinces her husband Clark to give the rally the rally speech against the black neighbors. Betty pours sugar in the tank of her best friend's husband's brand new Corvette because they're moving out of the neighborhood and her best friend is pregnant. So obviously Betty has conception issues. Okay. Here goes the role reversal. Lucky plays up to Henry that she's crazy. This is another fucked up part in this movie. So they're at having dinner. They're eating, what was that? Blueberry pie, rhubarb pie. No, no damn cherry pie. It was reddish blue. Whatever. They're eating pie. And so for Lucky to pay back Henry for for him playing off like she's crazy to the cops, she angrily cuts him a piece of pie. And as she serves him the pie, she plays up to to him saying she's crazy. And and, and then what did, what did she say to him? What did she say to him? What did she whisper in his ear? Something. Right? So now we're playing mind games between mom and dad. So then Henry is like, okay, he's got he's to save face. So he's struggling to eat this pie. And this nigga eats the whole goddamn pie pretty much five bites while thinking his wife is trying to kill him. So he finishes the fucking pie. All the while, then Gracie starts to feel bad and starts crying. Once again, I suffer so you don't have to, okay? If you have not emotionally and spiritually detoxed after watching this series, you need to. Seriously, this is a wicked, disturbing, spellcasting, bad magic. This was black magic on, on, on the television. You understand? Like, I can't even tell y'all. Let's continue. Episode three, day four, a white boy pisses on Lucky's white sheets. Henry then buys a TV. Henry sees the image of, of the Sambo in the, in the image of the TV, in the TV screen. Lucky, uh, after she chased the boy down, he runs to his mama, right? Lucky, you know, runs up on everybody because the little boy pissed on her sheets. So then Lucky goes to Watts to go visit family. Henry is then confronted by neighbors over Lucky chasing the neighbor's kid. One of the neighbors says, there's three of us. They're strong as apes. So Lucky is up. Uh, no, not Lucky, but Henry is, is, a, is, a, is on the ceiling installing an antenna. There's Clark, Marty, and a third guy. They, they throw a beer can at him, 
and they they kind of threaten him to come on down and then Henry ha- uh, Henry has the hammer he says if I come down you know it's going to end quicker for you you and you and then that's when Marty says you know it's three of us they're strong as apes so they they leave okay once again another episode this is another example of Henry not doing what he's supposed to do now in a situation like that do you come off the ladder off the roof to engage these three motherfuckers I don't know but even though it's a TV TV series I'm sitting here like nigga if you don't get down there and go whoop their ass and, and bash their fucking heads but of course this is why you can't get emotionally vested into these type of these series and, and TV shit I had to find myself I had to calm myself the fuck down because I felt this. shut up I really had the real spit. I had to calm myself the fuck down because, you know what? It was not, I was not that bad. No, you paused it. I, yes, I had to pause in certain spots because I felt myself becoming angry. That is the power of media, people. Even myself, I had to stop this thing and collect myself and gather my thoughts because I felt my spirit be being fucked with and not in a good way. This is what I'm saying. All right. Okay, so now let me give context to London Links London Links before I move. This is the Great Migration people. The nineteen fifties, everybody named Mama from Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee. If you was a southern Negro, you moved to Chicago, LA, you moved up north, New York. This was the Great Migration. So that comment you wouldn't have moved. Yes, the fuck you would have. Cut the, cut the bullshit. If we, if we all, if this is 1950s. Jim Crow, Jim Crow is at its peak. And first chance you get to move, you're moving the fuck out. Stop being disingenuous, people. This is the Great Migration for a reason. Niggas was tired of getting their asses whooped. Period. Period. How many people from Chicago? got traces to family in Mississippi. All right, let's continue. Um, see, there, there it is there. So let's not act like if, if we were all in our right present mind in 1950s, we were not going to leave the South. Yes, the fuck. And then they had the GI Bill. Where's Nick at? Nick, talk to me, Nick. Nick's in here. They had the GI Bill. There's a TV commercial. They're, they're, they're promoting the GI Bill for colored military men to move to California, to move north. They, and they will give you money. Everybody's leaving. Fuck out of here. Let's just come on. Let's put this shit in proper context, y'all. All right? You see in the comments, everybody, grandmama moved, granddaddy moved the fuck out of, out of Dodge. All right? Okay. And I, I, mean, I mean that respectfully, y'all. I mean that respectfully. Okay? Uh... Lucky doesn't tell her extended family about Chester. So this is where you see Paula Jai Jai White. Uh, She looks her age, right? She spazzes out after seeing, uh, was it Ellie Mae? It was Ellie Mae, Ellie Mae. After seeing Ellie Mae with her, with a, no, it wasn't Ellie Mae. She she sees a family member with her own baby son. She spazzes out and then she leaves, okay? Betty then gives an impassioned plea at the rally because Clark, her husband, he was no, he was a no show. All right. <clears throat> uh oh, we got see we got trolls in it. Look at this shit. See, look at this shit. <laughs> Cracker loves when Sly is angry. <laughs> I'll beat your motherfucking ass though. I tell you that's that 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 would happen. 
I will beat your motherfucking ass. Let me tell you, just like I had to. So I went, I'm in Walmart. Shut up. Telling my story. God damn it. I'm telling my story. I'm in Walmart today. Right. And I'm looking at lamp desk lamps for mini me. Okay. And then this white lady this older white lady. She's looking at the same fucking lamp. Okay. This bitch leaves. Then comes back. And I'm still, still looking at desk lamps. Right. Then she leaves the second time. So I grabbed the desk lamp. And, uh, she comes up to me. She says, you know, I was going to buy that. I said, uh, well, hell you, you left twice. And obviously you didn't want it. She says, well, you know, I, I, but I'm, I'm ready to buy it now. I said, let me tell you what's not going. I said, bitch, I'm from Chicago. Now mind you, it's Walmart. It's every, it's Asians and Mexicans all around me. Right. And I said, bitch, I'm from Chicago. And everybody stopped and looked. I said, here we go. Here's a nigga moment coming. So the security guard, he's walking down the aisle and he, he kind of looks back like, what's going on? Right? That was, that was, that, I had my nigga moment. And when, I wasn't going to deal with no Karen shit. I said, I said, look, bitch, all that racial shit, not today. Okay? So this is what happens when you get a, you surrounded by a bunch of fucking idiots that watch too much goddamn TV. Okay? I will beat your motherfucking ass. This is not TV, okay? I will pick up something and knock you the fuck out with it. I'm a little dude. I'm scary, okay? Whatever it takes for me to make you stop breathing, shut up. I was in felon mode, okay? Now, getting back to this series and shit. My bad, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, during the bus ride home, Lucky sees the black hat man. Black hat man, poltergeist. What, what the poltergeist, the preacher man always saying, let me in, let me in. Okay, this is that guy, that same vein, the tall man. You know the stories about the tall man. Some to that, to the, to that degree. So this is, the, this is the black hat man. Lucky's then attacked by invisible forces on the bus. She then wakes up. The bus driver called the cops because she was spazzing the fuck out on the bus. Sergeant Bull takes Lucky home. Henry then questions Lucky if she hit the little white boy that pissed on her sheets. Okay. Lucky tells Henry she was attacked on the bus. Lucky then tells Henry there's something wrong with Compton. Henry doesn't believe her. Betty is mad. White Betty, the, the neighbor, is mad at her husband. He's not a full-blown racist. Betty demands Clark set the Emery's lawn on fire. Clark, uh, Marty, and the third white guy take um, gasoline and set the shit on fire. And it says, nigger heaven in the front lawn. Okay, as it burns. Episode four, day six. They, they, they hang a bunch of gollywog dolls with nooses around their necks on their front porch overhang in the yard. Okay. This is a very, very, it's going to, it, this would, it, it elicits some type of emotion, especially if you're down South and you know what a gollywog doll is, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what a gollywog doll is, then obviously your Southern roots I, I, you need to get in touch with your southern roots. So, mind you, the entire porch is little nooses tied around these dolls' necks, and they're all in the yard and all on the front porch, okay? 
<laughs> let, let me just say this. this is not Watchmen. Please don't compare this to Watchmen. To compare this to Watchmen is very disrespectful to all the hardworking people that actually worked on Watchmen. Watchmen was an excellent, excellent, excellent series. It had his fuck shit. But do not fix your fucking mouth to compare this to the Watchmen. To you would you disrespecting everybody's hard work on the Watchmen. Okay? That was a beautiful, beautiful series. Like I said, it had its fuck moments, but overall, the overall, it was done right. If you if you want comic accurate shit, that was pretty comic accurate. Okay, let's get into it. Lucky's upset. Henry's calm. Henry calls one of these. One, he used the term "hunky." He's, t- he's telling the girls, "Hey, look, don't fuck these honkies, whatever the case may be." I ain't heard that word used in so long. <laughs> I was like, "God damn!" Okay, Lucky and Betty. After after Henry takes the girls to school, Lucky and Betty have a stare down from from their front porches because they live across the street. All right. Lucky then confronts Betty. Lucky makes fun of Betty not having any children. Lucky then finds out her home is under usury after complaining to the realtor. The realtor says, she gives her the document, say, hey, you guys aren't paying any interest. Babe, how did they break it down? How did she explain it? Really? You're fired. Oh, okay, 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 wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. I did I did write it down. We'll come back to the usury part. But basically, they got charged next. This is redlining. Stupid interest rates, right? But if they leave, they can leave scot-free. Either way, the banks make money off them either staying or going. So you lock them into a 30-year to something they can't possibly may be able to pay over 20 to 30 years if they leave no penalties they still get the money regardless okay so it's it's a setup it's set up to fail right and they pick these they zone these districts out it now i will say this they broke it down masterfully how the banks the realtors all in cahoots with the law enforcement to 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 outline and red zone certain parts of los angeles masterfully done that is episode three. If it's one episode I tell you to watch, you watch episode three and four. It breaks that shit the fuck down. Yeah, about the zoning. Better than any economics history class could ever do. Okay? All right. Ruby meets Doris. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep telling y'all, Ruby's arc is the most disturbing, disgusting arc of ev- any character in this series I hated Ruby I hated the character I hate what they put her arc her character through I hated her demons Ruby meets a girl named a little white girl named Doris when she's sent to the principal's office okay the white girl says you are the most beautiful colored girl I've ever seen and offers her lipstick now I'm getting back and now I'm catching up okay Ruby and Doris Doris they watch a white couple make out. Lucky then goes to see LMA. Okay, LMA is going to kind of give you a, a kind of a hint to, to what's going on here. LMA mentions 
the man in the black hat. Ruby and Doris continue to bond. Doris is grooming Ruby by offering her lipstick and unbuttoning the top button of her blouse and calls her the prettiest colored girl she's ever seen. Ruby is then discovered by the janitor, the black janitor. And when he opens the door, he sees Ruby, but no Doris. Doris is a figment of Ruby's imagination. Ruby, or Doris, is how Ruby would see herself as a white woman, as a white teen. Okay? All right, let's get into it. Ella May says the black hat man knew things about her. She has burns on her hands and arms. It's implied she bleached her two sons' skin. Okay? It's implied. The black hat man said to Ella May, said Ella May was afraid of dirt. The black hat man said Ella May was afraid of dirt. Dirt is in reference to the black skin, to the melanin. Okay? Her husband, Roman, comes out. This nigga has no legs. He's, a, he's burnt to a fucking crisp. And he's a mute. Comes out in a wheelchair. He's burned and legless. Ella May then opens the oven where it's implied her two sons were in the oven. Lucky goes into the kitchen. There's blood everywhere in the kitchen. And then Lucky runs out with Roman reaching out for her help. At the company dinner that uh, Henry works for, Henry uh, envisions a, the dancing Sambo. Once again, the Sambo coming to taunt Henry again. Betty goes to visit her father, Otto, to ask for a loan for money. Betty has not been, uh, she's been away from her family for seven years. Okay. Henry then meets Mr. Stout, the owner of the company, and they bond because they both served in the war, even though his boss, Stu, told him to go through the back door. Don't bother trying to meet Mr. Stout. That's not, it's not, it's not time for you to meet Mr. Stout. I need you to go through the back door. So Henry, thinking it was the best to, to get to one up his boss, goes directly to Mr. Stout, and they have a have a have a you know a veterans council. You, that was a tactical error because you done pissed off your immediate boss. Because at the end of the day, no one gives a fuck about if you get fired. Okay, let's continue. It's implied that Betty's father. Otto was molesting her as a child into a teen, hence why she stayed away for, for seven years. Because there's a scene, they're, in, they're downstairs, the wife is like, oh, you mu- you're here for money? Is there something you want from us? Dad's like, hey, look, all right, before I cut this check, why don't you spend the night, you drove all this way out, we'll draw you a bath. So the bath is being drawn, but you see Betty on the bed facing the bathroom while the father is getting ready for the bath. Wait a minute, whose bath are we talking about? So that's where it's, it's implied that Otto was, had molested his daughter and the wife was like, eh. Okay? Alright, let's continue. 
Betty runs out. She leaves. She's at home. She presses Clark over money and the rally that he missed. Lucky then brings Henry to LMA to see the kitchen and the bodies. Of course, the kitchen is pristine and clean. Roman isn't speaking. He's not bloody. His burns are healed. His burns are old, but he's still legless. Okay. And the sons are at the aunties. Episode five. Now, this is where we get to uh, the red the red zone. So I take that back. Not episode three and four. Episode five is where they begin to break down uh, where they declared West Compton hazardous. They had the six counties ranked from one to five, one to six, be- between most desirable to most hazardous. This is the episode where they explain exactly how the red zone, the red lining goes. Okay, so the bankers are like, hey, give us a 6% interest loan on the properties. Okay, because they're worried about Negro encroachment. The Emery's realtor uh, is in this meeting. She gives a six-month projection of more Negro military families coming in. She suggested competitive mortgage rates to keep them locked in even longer. Of course, they laugh at her because they're like, she's a woman. She's a white woman. You're not, I thought she was trying to get this money with us. Okay. They want East Compton flipped. So it's, it's weird when I'm watching this series and I'm hearing white people say Compton. Because every time, listen, um, the majority of us grew up, you, you, you only heard black people say Compton. Okay, as me growing up, NWA, gangster rap, West Coast rap, I never heard white folk talk about Compton unless it was a newscaster on the news or Kurt Loder on MTV News talk about NWA. Let's be honest. So for me, for me, it was a bit, I had to get used to white folk talking about Compton, West Compton, East Compton, Watts. Remember? Okay. So it took, it took a minute for me to kind of like, okay, this is the fifties. I get it. They were there first. Right. Okay. She tells a new, a new, so at this time they give LMA's backstory. LMA's husband, Roman was a, as a veteran. Same spiel she gave to the Emery's, but LM, the LMA is the first Negro family that moved in. She tells them 20%. They're buying a home. She said, disregard that Negro bloodline part in the, in the contract. All right. And then she, and then she tells LMA, it's, it's best that you move in at night to not stir the neighbors. All right. So that's where that moving in at night shit came from. It ain't come from about the niggas. It came in so you don't disturb the white folk. <laughs> I need a sip. Babe, what are you doing? Watching the chat? Really, babe? You know, I'm looking at you, right? I'm looking at you. Watch the chat. Okay, the realtor and Sergeant Bull are in a diner having a meeting. The realtor pays Sergeant Bull to keep, once again, the white folk from killing the niggas. They're all in cahoots. The realtor wants out. She's like, look, a couple more houses, a couple of these families flip and I'm out. I'm cool. She has a, a guilty conscience. Sergeant's like, listen, um, we need to keep this thing going. Okay. He wanted, yeah, he, plus he wanted 10 grand. Was it per family to protect or just a monthly payment? Okay, 
So he was getting paid five grand per family to keep them protected. He wanted ten grand, which is why he wanted the realtor to keep going and going and going, right? Because he, he the cops are greedy when you're paying them off. All right. So then, as as the the realtor threatened to quit, this is when the sergeant breaks down. Look, bitch, they, you paid me in cash. There's no paper trail. That all the paper paperwork's in your name. I'm sure your bosses at bank and the realtors, their their names are not on the paperwork. So you're gonna go down f- before I do. Uh, it's your word against mine. Okay. So the the realtor's in a real pickle. Okay. Helen is then is is then threatened by a white supremacist as she gets in her car. This guy is hiding in the bike back seat. He's like, "Oh, you selling homes to niggers? You better stop selling homes to niggers, right?" So she is she catching hell from everybody, right? Okay. The backstory to Chester's murder. This is hands down the most disgusting thing I've probably ever seen in any series regarding um, black. Death, the death of a child. It's called infanticide. You know the stories about the the babies being fed to alligators and shit. Of course, we hear the stories. Have I ever seen confirmation of a black baby fed to an alligator? No. Is it possible that it did it happen? Sure. Yeah. I'll I'll play that game. But I'm 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 saying here in this series, you 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 have infanticide being shown. Not that it's just a child, but it's a black child. Okay, that hit that shit hits a little different. White people, yeah, just some things you just don't understand. Okay, when you see death of black children on TV, it hits us a little bit different. Okay, all right. Shit. How much did you put it? How much patron you put in this? You trying to get me back on a fucking horse, aren't you? Two ounces, huh? <laughs> so. Continuation from the very beginning of the first episode, the white lady with the dog. Is that your son? Can I have him? Blah, blah, blah. Three men walk up. Three white men walk up behind her. They break into the house. She hides Lucky in the closet. She hides Lucky in the closet. The color palette briefly turns red. So you know what some shit about to pop off. Kill Bill. When the sirens go off and it flashes red. You know somebody's about to get killed. Okay, follow me now. So then, <laughs> uh, as Lucky is being attacked and basically raped on the floor, the the lady hears Chester in the closet. She then takes Chester. She then takes Chester out uh, out. And then she lays Chester on the on the pile of, of linen. And then she puts Chester in the goddamn pillowcase. And then she winds it up and they begin to and she says, cat in the bag, cat in the bag, and they begin to play catch with fucking Chester while in this damn pillowcase. All while this big white dude is manhandling Lucky. Now, once again, as as someone who deals with the media, I'm I, it's it's it, I'm finding it harder and harder to keep blaming white white media for certain narratives 
and certain conditions and certain triggers that are given to us on a daily basis, okay? You can always turn off white media. But when it's your own people that create stories and purposely put in triggers and trauma and black trauma just to get a reaction out of you, that's the worst shit. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm, I, I listen, I don't give a fuck what, my, what white media does. They're going to do what they're going to do. I have an option with white media. I can turn them the fuck off. But when my people get in positions to tell our stories and have chances to show us in good light, beautiful light, nine times out of ten, that, that shit ain't happen. Okay? Nine times out of ten, it ain't, it ain't going to happen. And people like Lena Waithe, that y'all keep watching her fuck-ass shows. And I, and I remember when the, the first season of Shot first came out, because y'all niggas was like, oh, my God, old boy from NWA's in it. Jason Lee, he's in it. I'm going to watch it for him. And y'all forgot who the fuck Lena Waithe was? This, this the bitch that thinks she a man. Y'all remember when she had the fucking dreadlocks down her ass? This bitch talk with a deep ass voice? She was on fucking Complex going sneaker shopping? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and I told niggas about Ready Player One. This is how slow a lot of you motherfuckers are. I'm so ahead of the curve on you niggas. So when I told niggas about Ready Player One, okay? What's Ready Player One slide? Shut the fuck up. I'm not talking to you. The black, the black character in Ready Player One, right? I, who, who did I go see that with? Babe, come on, don't I'm, don't do this. I, I, anyway, I'm doing my breakdown of Ready Player One. When that shit came out, I said, "Yo, y'all be careful," because they had the main black character was a big buff black dude, and Ready Player One was just like surrogates. Everybody gets to be wherever the fuck they want online. You live in these fucking trailer huts and cargo boxes and shit. Everybody, everybody lives online. And then come to find out when they all reveal their true selves, here's Lena Waithe, old goofy looking ass. So I'm like, this whole goddamn time, you see yourself as a fucking big burly ass man. And then the voice was funny too, if you watched the movie. But once again, I'm sure a lot of y'all talking about, well, what's Ready Player One? Shut up, I'm not talking to you. Okay? So now, all you motherfuckers that watch The Shy, friend or foe, this is part, this is part of y'all fault. Because y'all support fuck shit like her and her shit. And, and Janelle Monet with them stupid ass butterflies and that goddamn what movie was that she did Antebellum wait a minute y'all didn't y'all didn't catch up to the Antebellum shit when I broke that shit down okay y'all ain't tired of this slave trauma black torture porn what huh what she's right that's all black people know you're right you're right I can't expect much out of a people that don't I don't know. Whatever. So, don't get mad as I break this shit down to you, as I explain to you how you have a bunch, how, how you have white characters playing cat in the hat and cat in the bag with a goddamn black baby in a pillowcase. Don't get mad at them. Be mad at the black people that wrote this bullshit and walked it into Amazon and said, hey, we got your next fucking series right here. They want to make this shit a series. So they're playing and they're tossing the fucking kid around in the fucking bag. So then the woman catches the boy in the bag and she gets to whirling and twirling the fucking pillowcase around her head. Cat in the bag, cat in the bag, cat in the bag, cat in the bag. 
and then she stops, drops the fucking pillowcase with the baby in it, and you see the blood pouring out of it. I need a drink. So then Chester's buried. Lucky goes off the fucking deep end. This bitch takes the bloodied pillowcase, right, that Chester died in. She starts picking flowers in the yard because she's off the fucking deep end. And then Lucky spirals into depression. Then Henry gets the job offer to go work in California, to move to California. I tell you, I keep trying to tell you. Now listen, I'm going off another rant right now. The the black Cybertronians are not your friends. I said it, and I I catch the heat, but I'm telling y'all right now. Black Cybertronians are not your fucking friend. They don't have your best interests at heart. And those that like to walk that like that like to walk around in broad daylight with a strap holding a crotch that you don't that doesn't exist, them too. But y'all keep on with this love is love shit and we are one and Yeah, okay. Uh, these it ain't even the white folk at this point. I, I listen, I, I get it, the little goofball boy got shot. Not, uh, let me go off another rant right right now. So the, the little nigga that the little half breed that got shot up in up in Minnesota. What they say? What he do? He had a warrant, right? So the little nigga had a warrant. I give a fuck if it's felon, felonious or not felonious. He had a warrant. Take the L. Take your punk ass to jail. No, he decided to go re-enter his right, 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 right. So I'm supposed to give a fuck about a little half breed that that wanna that wanna play. He, yeah, he ran. And now once again, but well, once again, stupid niggas in Minnesota, as as where stupid niggas dwell and reside. Once again, y'all play off off this narrative bullshit. The little nigga got shot. I don't know. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. You shouldn't either. I'm just saying. But let me let me continue. I'm getting off track. Episode six, day seven. We're back in present day. Lucky imagines herself killing Ruby. So now it begins. The possession, right? Henry cuts himself shaving. Ruby looks at herself in a spoon. Now, while, while Lucky is flat ironing Gracie Jean's hair, the baby girl, right? It seemingly catches on fire. So while her head is on fire, Gracie Jean looks back at her mama and says, do, do I look pretty now, mama? And then snaps into present day, Lucky burns Gracie Jean with the hot, with the, with the hot uh, flat iron, hot iron. What is it? Hot comb, hot comb. I'm sorry, with the, with the hot comb. Okay? Stu, Henry's boss... Uh, takes him off the Pentagon project for for upstaging him at the company dinner when Henry went to go meet Mr. Mr. Stout Stoke. Okay, he gets no residuals off the Pentagon project, no residuals. Lucky then goes to visit cousin Hazel. Hazel confirms Lucky wouldn't purposely hurt the girls. Hazel is played by once again Paula J. Paula J. Paula J. Parker. Okay, Hazel asks Lucky. Why she never mentioned what happened to Chester. Hazel then tells Lucky about the Beaumonts. 
Mama Beaumont killed her husband and child. She was driven to insanity. She's in the psych ward. Once again, black women, they got y'all looking out here, out here looking crazy. Hmm. Betty then tries to make money. To start, oh, so Betty goes to the bank, talking about white Betty, the neighbor. She goes to the bank to try, to try and take money out, out of their joint account with her husband. The banker's like, hey, hey, listen, it's a joint account. Y'all married. He needs to be here. This is above my pay grade. I can't do it for you. Well, she asked, well, how much was in it? She said, we had $6,000 in it. She asked, well, how much is left in it? Uh, there's only 400 left. So Clark took out $5,600. We don't know for what. Could have been gambling debts. Could be to pay off people for secrets. We don't know. We don't know. Okay. Ruby is then imagining Doris at school. Lucky then goes to visit Annette Beaumont in the psych ward. She tells Lucky to think about how much she'll miss them before she kills them, referencing the girls. Henry then has a conversation with the Sambo. The Sambo is, once again, Henry's personal demon. He's taunted by being taken off the Pentagon Project. So Sambo puts a battery in Henry's back. He says, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do, right? (laughs) Okay. So then during Gracie's first day of kindergarten, she sees Miss Vera outside and and by the flagstaff. Okay. As she begins, as as they're reciting the, the Pledge of Allegiance. So then she begins chanting cat in the bag, cat in the bag, cat in the bag. Okay. Then Annette, back at the psych ward, Annette recounts the night she doused her son and husband with bleach. Her son and husband are on their knees as she pours the bleach over them. Over them. They're like, yes, make us pure, make us clean, make us pure, make us clean. As they begin to fucking melt and burn from the fucking bleach in their face and eyes and mouth. Okay. Man, she then tells Lucky about the black hat man. Okay, Gracie's teacher. Uh, Gracie's teacher uh, tells Lucky. Uh, tells Lucky, hey, she was talking about cat in the, cat in the hat. She kept reciting cat in the hat, or cat in the bag, cat in the bag. So of course, Lucky asks Gracie, where'd you where'd you get where'd you hear that from? Uh, Gracie is kicked out of kindergarten. Ruby and Doris are watching a cheerleading practice. Okay, they're watching white cheerleaders practice. Ruby and Doris. Okay. Um, Doris is, 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 they're imagining the practice, whatever the case may be. Okay. So then it, it cuts into it. Then Ruby begins to do the, the, the routine. And then you realize she's by her fucking self. Okay, so this, this chick is going off the deep end. Henry... It goes to his boss's house, Stu. A white man says, hey, I think you're lost. You don't belong here. And, of course, Henry says, you're right, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Let me, get, let me go and get up out of here. So then as the white man turns and walks away, Henry pistol whips him, knocks him out cold on the sidewalk. Lucky then tells, uh, no, Gracie tells Lucky, uh, Miss Vera, she learned the cat in the, cat in the bag from Miss Vera. 
Betty then confronts Lucky. Lucky then slaps Betty. This is the white neighbor, okay? Betty then peels off the wallpaper in her home and begins to trash her home because her, her little world is coming, tumbling down. Uh, she's very controlling, right? And then she feels she's losing control of her neighborhood, her marriage, and she kind of goes ape shit and trashes her own home. Betty then calls in a favor. Now, Betty's been having these discussions and these, these impromptu meetings with the milkman named George. Okay, because everyone loves the milkman. Every all the white women be like, "Oh, he's so dreamy." Uh, uh. Okay, so she calls in the favor from the milkman, George. Episode seven, day seven. Henry breaks into his boss's home, Stu. He makes himself a drink, and uses his bathroom. Betty then goes to visit the milkman, George. Clark, and Sergeant Bull are investigating the damage to his to their home and are looking for Betty. The milkman is gathering rope. Betty is drunk. She's not she's more than drunk. He put something in her drink. So the milkman George lives on a farm and he has a fallout shelter uh by the barn. You know in the 50s everyone was worried about the goddamn Russians and and the US going in the cold war thing, you know what I'm saying? That first cold war. So everybody pretty much had Fallout shelters. Okay. As Lucy packs Hazel's bags. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. As Lucy's packing Gracie's bags, Hazel tells her there's some things you can't outrun and it won't bring Chester back. She tells Lucky to let go and Chester might be better off with the Lord as they begin to pray. This, getting back to Henry. The Sambo tells Henry to never let them know what you're thinking because at this point Henry has left Stu's home Sambo tells his backstory he lost two fingers for gathering peaches from the master's tree without permission they were rotten bad peaches on top of that okay uh, Sambo puts a battery in Henry's back for not being there for Lucky and Chester Gracie then sees Hazel as a disfigured spirit as Hazel and Lucky are praying. Once again, Gracie can see spirits. So then, Ruby tells Doris she doesn't want to be ugly. She wants to be beautiful like Doris. They share a kiss. Ruby then uh, begins to turn white. She in, be, begins to imagine herself as white and she's looking at a can of paint. <laughs> okay. And then she dips her hand into the white paint. She then goes out to the school bonfire. So as the camera encroaches, everyone spreads out and you see the white, pe the white kids looks on their faces. This heifer done covered herself in white motherfucking paint from head to toe and then goes in front of the bonfire and be begins to got perform the goddamn cheerleading routine what in the entire fuck is this this is why I hated her fucking character I hated her arc you want to know what bad story writing and storytelling is this is it if you want to be a screenwriter this is not how you do it Gracie and Lucky go to the basement. Gracie asks Lucky, Mama, who was that woman? 
So then Lucky grabs an axe and begins to talk about sacrifice and she has to save her. So at this point, she grabs the axe. Polo Gracie is uh, is laying on the on the stairs looking at her mama. And y'all talk about this whole adrenochrome thing with these white folk. I mean, y'all stop right fucking now. If you're a black person that goes to these YouTube channels to and you and you get on these online shits, talk about all oh, the whites, elites, adrenochrome and human trafficking and scared of babies. Nigga, what the fuck do you think we just watched? With the black woman with the fucking axe hovering over her black child. Are you fucking kidding me? This is why I I can't do this. What, what I got, 18 months to do this shit and I'm out? I, 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 I can't. Some of y'all are just too far gone. But let me finish my rant. I don't want to hear no more shit about white people and what they do to children. I, I just don't. I'm over this shit. Okay? It sounds salacious. Oh, it gets you clicks and views. I'm over that shit. Okay, we have white, we have we have black writers, black writers. Okay, doing the doing the same fucking thing you 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 complain about white people doing to to their children. It's just on camera, so just on film. What the fuck ever. All right. So then, uh, <laughs> so then Lucky takes a swing at Gracie and misses Gracie. She lies to Gracie and says, "Oh no, I was just." Cutting off Miss Vera's head. That's pop. Okay, I'll give you that. The how the entire the entire house is bad. Uh, right, right. Oh, he. We're not trying to spoil it right now. Sit your ass down. Hey, what? Is that my plate? Yeah, but I gotta sit down. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not ready to eat right now, so I'm cooking right now. So just, I got this. That's what you're not gonna do. You but you but throw your ass in there with it then. All right. Ruby then comes home covered in white paint saying there's something wrong with her. Bitch, you think? Henry is following Sergeant Bull. Henry is, uh, for Henry to be a World War II vet, he's very stupid, tactically, an extremely inept, incapable man. So every chance they get to prove how useless and inept Henry is as a protector provider they're going to it okay bad writing blame the writers that nigga named T what's the nigga one of the T little T little wrote episodes Lena wrote some episodes I didn't even look to see the entire writing staff I, I didn't want to look I didn't I, I was just so disgusted so then he follows Sergeant Bull the black hat oh, wait wait I'm missing I'm missing okay uh, he shoots and kills Sergeant Bull the one white man that kept the other white people in check mainly the other white man you killed your only line of defense your own say you killed your lord and savior you killed the one man that kept them crackers off his ass okay Henry discovers lucky dug up Chester's body he goes back to the house and there's the box with, that says with the initial CE so the whole time uh, Lucky would go into the box we think it's just a baby blanket or some shit so then <laughs> Henry discovers Lucky dug up Chester's body and put him in the box she brought the body with them to Compton 
Henry is shown holding a baby blanket with a skeleton, a baby skeleton inside of it. See? Mm-hmm. Okay. Episode eight, day nine. It's almost over, y'all. Almost over. And I can get and I can detox from this shit once and for all. Lucky is in the crazy house. Henry is denied access to see Lucky. Betty is still held hostage by the milkman. He has matching wallpaper just at as as uh in Betty's home. He said, Hey, it took a while to find it, but I found the matching wallpaper in your home. I hope you like it. Right. So he keeps her in the bunker. He comes to visit her in the bunker to keep her fed and check on her and try to groom her into staying. He says, you know, you, you, you're mine now. Okay. So Betty got her own problems. Everybody in town is looking for Betty. Sergeant Bull's murder is in the news. They say it's, he died. They say it, uh, they speculate it was a gang shooting. Okay. Annette Beaumont and Lucky talk about the black hat man. So uh, while in the crazy house, Lucky goes into Annette's room and they talk about the black hat man. George, the milkman is keeping Betty hostage. He says, this is her home. Now Henry is then attacked by Marty and another white neighbor in his home. Betty attempts to, she stabs George, the milkman in the neck with a corkscrew attempting to get out. The girls lucky are not good. The girls, uh, Ruby, and Gracie Lee are held at gunpoint by the white captors. Marty, Marty and Nick. They begin to interrogate Henry as about Betty's whereabouts. Henry tells Marty what happened to Chester. Dr. Moyen, Moyahan. So all you niggas down the street that like to quote the Moyahan report, they like to play games with you. So the white female doctor that's in charge of the psych ward, her name is Dr. Moyahan. So all y'all like that, that, like that, that swear about the Moyahan report. You see how they play games with you. Okay. Marty then cuts off Henry's pinky finger. Nah, I'm gonna keep it. Nah, I'll get that later. I want that too. Give me the pop. I'm gonna drink this. No, baby. Thank you. So as Ruby's being held at gunpoint, Marty threatens to shoot Ruby if he doesn't open his hand. So then Marty has garden shears. He opens his hands and then Marty cuts off his pinky finger. Henry's then thrown to the basement and then they begin to hang Henry with a noose. Lucky then wakes up tied to the bed. The black hat man asks Lucky, what kind of black magic is she? That she fights against the light y'all pay attention Dr. Moyahan threatens Lucky with a lobotomy episode 9 the black hat man's backstory god damn okay let me take a drink before I get into that shit okay the black hat man Luther Epps He's questioning God because in his mind, he sacrificed his son and wife. They're dead. His faith is shaken. He then seeks a sign from God. 
He then finds a little boy in the bushes off from the burial site. He then names him Miles. What did, what did, what did, what the translation meant? Intelligence or wisdom? Okay. Yeah, it's 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 an, uh, it's a another meaning for either intelligence or wisdom. One of the two. Later on, Miles warns uh, warns the black hat man of travelers that have broken down. They're black. Husband, wife, Grafton, and Martha. Martha is pregnant. They're going to Grass Valley outside of Sacramento. Uh, the black hat man and Luther Epps is eldish. They follow God, not the religion. Hmm. Here we go. The eldish people are questioning uh, Epps' leadership. They don't want to help the blacks. This is the era of the Civil War. They blame the blacks for the Civil War. They believe the blacks started the Civil War. Now, let's not act like back then you had white folk did, that, did, that did believe this shit for real, okay? Eldish accepts Grafton's offer to work because Eldish agreed to repair his wagon. So they've been there for a week. The people are getting kind of restless, right? Because in the Bible, there's a passage saying aliens can be the property. I'm going to get all into all that shit. So then Grafton offers to work to repay uh, he, he doesn't. He, he refuses charity. He says, "No, nah, I want the charity, sir." So he offers to work uh, to to you know to offset the debt or whatever the case may be. Okay. They want Grafton to help them dig a well because the white folks are digging a well, coming up with nothing. Grafton looks at the uh, soil. He says, "Just a few more feet." He says, "In fact, I'll help. I'll I'll dig the rest for you." All right. So now Martha, his wife, is sewing with the matrons, the, 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 the white ladies, right? So they're asking dumbass questions like, how does she learn to sew so good? How does she learn to speak English so well? Does she know anything about her native tongue? Martha says, ah, we've been here so long, I guess we're American. They laugh at her. Y'all pay attention. They ask her if her baby comes out of her body differently, like a pony. Does it get up and walk away? Okay. If you're not triggered by this, watching this, good for you. Because the average black person would be instantly triggered by this dialogue. Okay? Cause you you cause you ain't human, that's why you ain't triggered. Anywho, Grafton digs the well, finds the water. The people question Epps about Grafton and Martha. They accuse them of using black magic. Miles presents a scripture to Epps, okay, about the certain passages uh, that um, that uh, Luther needs to convince the people to kind of stay in, to fall in line. Epps reads the scripture saying aliens are the property, but to not rule them too harshly. It didn't specify the, the, the scripture or, the, or the, uh, the chapter. Grafton's work ethic makes the other men look lazy. Martha sews the majority of the linen, so the rest of the white women just said, fuck it, let her do all the work. 
Her hand, she begins to bleed. She's been sewing so much. Epps watches them sleep at night. So then Epps sees Martha as an alien. The next day, Martha finds Epps' crucifix on the ground because Epps is going blind. And then he, see, he sees her as an alien because he kept asking God to, to show him and give him vision. And he kept, and the vision given to him was the, this black demon alien. That's how you saw the black folk, Mar- Martha and Grafton. The sight that's given to, to, to Luther is not the sight of his own. Okay. Martha then accuses, accuses Epps of having them to work for them for free. She's like, hey, is our, is our wagon ready? Because we're ready to go. Because we think you lured us here. Now, mind you, she's talking sass to a white man, okay? She slaps Epps. Martha, her water begins to break. Her, her water breaks as Epps grabs and twists her wrist. Her water breaks. They lock Grafton and Martha in the barn. You got the Jesus... You got the Mary Joseph energy going on now, okay? You got the Joseph Mary ritual. They lock him in the barn. They talking to you now. Don't don't get me wrong. Now I will I I will say this: these nigger writers will give you a gem or two if you catch the shit. But you got to catch the shit. This is when you got to detox and de-trigger and de-escalate yourself to catch what they're giving you, okay? Miles then frees them. As they they're caught in charge for stealing their own horse. Epps is then accused for letting them in, but counters that thieves are their property. They're using scripture for all this. Sister Cora objects to Grafton and Martha's treatment. She says, y'all be careful. Y'all can't be treating people like this, strangers. You, what's to say in the Bible, in the scripture, you treat a stranger like you would as, as, as a God's angels or some shit like that, right? She said, y'all be careful, okay? As punishment, Martha and Grafton's eyes are burned out of their fucking sockets with a hot poker. Now, I remember watching Mississippi Burning as a little kid, and my dad made me watch that shit, because my dad's from Mississippi. And, y- y- you know, the, 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 I guess the scene where they beat up the, 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 the two black kids and the white guy, it was, as a kid, I was like, wow, this is really fucked up. I mean, I've seen a lot of racially torturous acts in TV and film, but watching... Martha and and Grafton as their eyes their eye sockets are swelled shut they can't see they're patting the ground around them because they're blind they can't see man listen I, that was bothersome that was very very bothersome okay so then Martha curses them all calling them white devils as Epps' Bible explodes into flames. They are then hung upside down and set on fire. As they are set on fire, the entire town 
begins to burn down to the ground, killing everyone except Miles and Epps. Now, we don't know what happened to the baby. We don't know what happened to the baby. Okay? See, the water broke. Listen, then call it a that that's a plot hole. Then that's a that's plot weak plot armor. They did they, they failed to to to, re, uh, to rectify. Okay. It was just some shit you wasn't supposed to think about no more. How do you write in the water breaking? Then all of a sudden, you set them on fire. Baby, that burned too. They never address. Now this is bad writing once again. Now everybody, don't get me wrong. All screenwriters are not perfect. Not even Chris Nolan, Darren Aronofsky. Now, they, I regard them as some of the best screenwriters to date, uh, white or black. But even they have some plot holes and plot, weak plot armors in, in, in their scripts. It's never addressed what happened to the baby. Okay? The water breaks. They're thrown, uh, they're thrown in. They're charged. They're burned. They're hung. They never addressed what happened to Martha's baby. Okay, this is bad comedy. So then Miles reveals himself to Epps as the one he was seeking, the one he's been praying to and asking uh, for divination and sight. Okay, Miles tells Epps this is not the end. As the entire town burns around them, they they go underground and and they go into the basement of the church. Miles is the one he worshiped. And that they are bound together. Miles tells Epps they must be destroyed and break their hearts from inside. If Epps fails at breaking them, it is Epps's soul that will suffer. Epps agrees to the covenant. And as Epps agrees to the covenant with this entity, a burning beam falls on Epps, killing him instantly. All right, we're almost done, y'all. We're almost done with this bullshit. Episode 10, day 10. This is where you get some of the Jordan Peele from Get Out. Betty escapes from the bunker, but as she's running out the field, George shoots her dead. Now, mind you, if you stab the average person in the neck with a coarse screw, they're pretty much toast. Whether you hit an artery, a vein, or not, you get stabbed in the neck with a corkscrew, you, 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 you fucked up. You, you're not going to be able to get away from whoever stabbed you. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, miraculously, George the Milkman recovered enough, and as he saw Betty running, he guns her down. Lucky is then being, pre- is being prepped for her lobotomy, but somehow is able to jab the orderly with the sedative instead. She ha- she pulls a fucking uh, uh, Sarah Connor, Tuscadero State Prison. She gets out of the, sh- the cuffs and and shit somehow, and then jabs the fucking big ass orderly with the sedative. T two, anybody? Okay. Ruby then on her way out. Okay, Ruby. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're, now we're back in the basement at the home. The, the Emerson home, Emery home. Lucky then kills one of the, the one of the white dudes with an axe to the back. Henry then goes after Marty. 
Marty's then shot in the leg. Clark pulls up as Henry is pistol whipping Marty. Ruby stops Henry from killing Marty's wife and child because he points a gun at, at, at Marty's wife and child. Miss Vera then kidnaps Gracie. Now, this is where all the demons come into play. Everybody's going to have their own little personal battles at, towards the end. Miss Vera kidnaps Gracie through the closet. Ruby is then confronted by a demonic uh, Doris. Henry then enters a movie theater balcony to watch the movie of Chester and Lucky, what happened to them. While escaping the psych ward, Lucky then attacks Dr. Moyahan from lobotomizing another black woman. There's your get out moment. The black security guard looks at Lucky <laughs> as she's at the entrance door and he looks away. <laughs> and then she runs off. She escapes out the facility. Sambo then gives backstory to the day Chester died. So he's making Henry watch on the movie theater uh, the day Lucky uh, and Chester were attacked while he sees an alternate version of himself and the two girls because that's where they were when Lucky uh, and Chester were attacked. He took the girls to the movie theater. Now, mind you, they didn't have a weapon. They didn't buy the 45 until after Chester died because I was like, where's the 45? But then Applehead over here reminded me that uh, they bought the 45 as a reminder to never go through this again. So, okay. So I don't know what, what military man, see, once again, the, inept, the ineptness and, and just sheer stupidity of uh, Henry. You are a military man. You never leave your wife and child without some type of protection, firearm, a fucking big-ass dog. I don't know, okay? So now, Henry watches Lucky become, be, be raped and Chester murdered on the big screen. Ruby then confronts Demonic Doris. Clark questions Marty about what happened as he draws a shotgun on Clark. So then Clark then breaks Marty's injured knee. He kicks him in the knee. He's already been shot in the knee. He kicks him in the knee. So then Marty calls him the F-bomb. So we, uh, we assume that Clark was gay because uh, Betty didn't have children. And there's a scene where Sergeant Bull had said to, to, to Clark, hey, I had seen you in some pretty sketchy places. I'm not going to say anything. So that was implying that he was in a boy's town. I thought he was hanging out with black folk because he's not a full-blown racist. Okay? Shout out to, to Step Shania. She, she caught that one. She gets credit for that one. All right. Um, oh, okay. Because he's a weird... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's another... She said because... Uh, uh, yeah, she gays back then in the fifties, and blacks were pretty much in the same boat, for the most part. Okay, okay. Uh, Clark then breaks Marty's injured knee, and then as Clark drives off, Lucky pulls up. Lucky, Lucky walks up to the is walking up the street. Clark drives off. Lucky goes to the house. Mind you, all the white folk, the neighborhood is outside their homes. And then they're like, you get out of here, you nigger, 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 and get out of here. We don't want you here. And then fucking, of course, Lucky lets out this fucking horrific scream at the white people. And the white people are just like, okay. And then as Lucky walks in the house, 
there's a, 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 a blaze of fire that separates the home and the white people. There's a barrier of fire. Okay. Gracie is in class with Miss Vera. Miss Vera begins to beat Gracie with a switch. Lucky then confronts Miss Vera. Gracie then rips, uh, Gracie runs off, grabs the Miss Vera book and begins to rip the book, the pages out the book, thus ripping Miss Vera in half. That's one demon down. Who broke the dog's neck? More than likely it was either Miss Vera or the black hat man, but is that really important? Huh? Oh, okay. It, yeah. It, we, we conclude it was Miss Vera that broke Sarge's neck. Not that it's a big fucking deal at this point with all the plot holes and plot armor in this shit. Ruby is then rescued by, by Lucky. Uh, so Ruby is being suffocated by Demonic Doris. Man, that's a, I like. I know, right? Worst character of them all. So somehow, Doris, I know Ruby breaks the gla- the, mi- the the mirror. She grabs a piece of the mirror, and you hear cutting sounds. So when Lucky shows up, Ruby then already cut a slice into her face. So then Lucky says, "Hey, why did I call you Sparkle? Because you shine like one." And then all of a sudden, she defeats that demon. What the fuck ever. And then Lucky tells Ruby she would never hurt her. Blah, blah, blah. Henry's watching the replay. Also, no, I was listening because maybe you were right. <laughs> Is that right? That's why I do what I do. Oh, okay then. Shit. So then <laughs> Henry watches the replay. Lucky then shows up to calm Henry down. So now Sambo is in the theater with, with Lucky, I mean with Henry, and he says, uh, they start getting this chant, show him the beast, or show him what the, the beast is in the field. Like, the beast is in the field, ah! The beast is in the field, ah! So he's hyping Henry up to go do some dumb shit. Henry has one bullet left in the fucking gun, right? So he, he, he doesn't bring out the animal side in Henry. Henry's about, Henry's about to go do some dumb shit, here comes Lucky, okay? And uh, she shows up. The she calms Lucky down. Uh, she calms Henry down, but the Sambo keeps taunting Henry. So they're back in their bedroom. So then Sambo's in the corner, and then he's taunting them. They both look at Sambo. Henry shoots Sambo in the forehead. He goes into the corner of the body, pulls out a napkin, wipes the paint off Sambo's face. It's a white man. Who do we know who the white man was? Was it a, just a random white man? Yeah, we don't know who the white man was, but it was a white man. <laughs> because, you know, in the Sambo characters, it was always a white man underneath. Go figure. Okay. Girl, listen. Maybe well, it was... Right, 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 right. Okay. Lucky then goes to the basement for one more thing to go confront Epps. Their home that they live in was built on the church that burned down the same land that Martha cursed before she died, before her and Grafton died. Her home was built poltergeist. This is ancient Indian burial ground. And we're going to build a housing development on top of these dead people's bones and spirits. Lazy, lazy writing. Remember poltergeist now. Okay, same thing here. Then you think it was Martha. Why would Martha? You would think the spirit of Martha would be protecting of her of her people. I think it was. 
Okay, so more plot armor. We don't know if Miles made the Bible explode into flames. When at the Martha cursed him and called them white devils, Epps' Bible explodes into flames. We thought, I thought it was Martha actually, you know, doing her little black magic thing for real. Yeah. Fire went out. That was after it burned out. No, you didn't see how it just went away. That was time lapse. That's that's debatable. So how did all the buildings burn? They burned only in the church. No, no, no. When they hung the bodies, that's when every, everything started burning at, at the same time. They didn't know because they were inside the church. Everything outside in in the uh, the village or the, this town began burning once they once they set them on fire. I could have been. We don't know if it was Martha or Miles, y'all. We don't know who whose whose mojo was working that. <laughs> but that house, that entire neighborhood was built on the the town that originally burned down of the eldish people that murdered Grafton and Martha. We don't know whose magic was working. It was either Martha's or Miles, and we don't know if Miles set everything into motion to get Epps to believe. To follow him, to to to, to take to take the covenant, okay? Huge, huge plot armor. This is bad, bad script writing, okay? Bad. I mean, this is beyond bad. But let's continue. So then, Lucky goes to the basement to confront Epps. Uh, the home was built in the site of the burned down church. Epps then offers Lucky a baby son to come with him. As the as the fellowship all draw, draw, they all draw knives. Then the baby disappears. Lucky then confronts Epps. Epps begins to go blind because now Lucky's like, I see you, I see you, I see you. Okay. She then takes his crucifix and drops it onto the ground, paying homage to, 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 to Martha finding the crucifix for Epps, which sparked the whole goddamn thing to begin with. So now Epps goes blind. He's on the ground looking for the crucifix. The covenant with Miles is officially broken and Epps forfeits his soul and his body is set on fire. The Emery's then walk outside to confront the cops and the crowd. This was like going through a bad breakup. Okay, this is going. This is going through a. This is like going through a bad breakup, an extremely bad. Shut up. This would have felt like for me, going through a very, very traumatic, bad breakup with a toxic, vindictive, demonic ex. This was horrible. Once again, I suffer. So you don't have to. I'm out. Yeah, wait, wait, no. On your way out, I'm about to wrap this up. On your way out, hit the like button, please. Um, I'm hungry and I, I need to burn my notebook and whatever you need to do to me to perform whatever rituals to get the shit off me, I need to do that too, okay? And no, not sex. Okay, because you ain't slick. Um... Once again, super slide, goddamn Morningstar show. I'm going to convert to another goddamn spiritual doctrine after watching this shit. On the wake of radio.com, uh, otwtube.com, uh, Cindy Ashby, goddamn it, do not watch this fucking flick. I will text you later on. Don't watch this nigga shit. Uh, on the wake of radio.com, 
uh, replays on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, uh, iPod, Apple uh, Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. I'm all fucked up. Y'all, go detox. Go spiritually align yourselves. Do what the fuck you got to go do. Get this shit out y'all system. This shit is disgusting. Y'all go on Twitter and let Lena Waithe tell her I sent you. And give her the middle finger from me to y'all. Because this is some bullshit. And if you motherfuckers still watch the goddamn shy, I don't want it. Then, then you can't bl- listen. You know how you punish shit like this? You don't watch and you drag their asses on social media. Trust me, the niggas is listening and watching our reactions. Okay? So you want to, you, you're either going to punish bad behavior or you're going to reward bad behavior. The choice is up to y'all. Y'all have a good night. God bless. Peace, love, and light. Peace. Lord individual. Cindy Ashby. Cindy Ashby. 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 On the wake up.